Hey everyone, welcome back to The Transfer. This is our last one of March. It is. I'm Jared. I'm Pastor Beck. And we are finishing up Mark today. It's been fun. Yeah, it has. But we are getting to what the crux of the story is kind of really, really about. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, this is going to be really interesting and include some history and some of that stuff that we looked at in our earlier podcast. Who is Mark writing to? Romans. And that is going to be really important as we come up to um, looking at the crucifixion in detail. There's a little bit of an issue with the Gospel of Mark because his details of the crucifixion are a little bit different mm. to some of the um, the details in the other Gospels. Remember, um, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they will each tell the crucifixion story. Mark will include some details that some scholars say fill in the gaps others say are a little bit oh how does that fit and i'm going to give you some historical context today that hopefully will let you see ah i see what mark is doing he's a clever man mark he is uh remember um it's probably peter um telling the story and mark writing it out so here we go uh, in having a look at this, we finished off reading the crucifixion story looking at Mark chapter 15, verse 21. I want um, to talk a little bit about, before we start, about a Roman coronation. Any idea what a coronation is? A coronation is when you um, set someone up to be king or queen. It's, it's, there. it's telling everyone, this is the king. Right. This is who rules everything. You've all seen those Disney, you know, episodes where, you know, Queen Elsa is coming in for her coronation, I've you know? I've actually never seen Frozen. Oh, let it go, Joe. <laughs> let it go. Um, but this is the time where they, yeah, they're being set apart as ruler yeah. of that land. And a coronation is a ceremony that helps spread the good news of of the emperor or of Caesar, Um they would spread this, spread this good news through their currency, through their advents, through their parousia, and then through the coronation, which is the big public show, the pomp and ceremony, um, really declaring, you know, I am the ruler and you're to look up to me. There was a emperor who had a big coronation around the time that this gospel was being written, and his name was Nero. He was actually... Uh, one of the reasons why the church was so p- heavily persecuted. We talked, I think, a little bit about him maybe in our earlier episode. I yeah. can't remember now. but um, And he was an emperor to the Romans. So remember, this is being written to the Romans. Nero is an emperor. They will have just seen this coronation. Mark now has to you know, tell the story of Jesus in a way that would, you know, in a society that... Um, valued victory and conquest and strength he has to tell the story of jesus and this crucifixion of jesus in a way that they understood there was a lot happening here behind the scenes that you know nothing about there were nine steps in nero's coronation really really fascinating and thomas e schmidt um, an oxford theologian he outlines this in his work Um, if you're really studious i guess you could go and study it but 
we're going to briefly talk it through and, and I want to show you how as Mark was writing his account of the crucifixion he was actually paralleling a Roman coronation at the same time what is he saying he's letting them know this crucifixion of Jesus this was his greatest moment this was his triumph and that's why we kind of label today's podcast as Jesus wins the day because this is a declaration by Mark saying you know what looks like is the end actually isn't really this is uh, Jesus um, being crowned king and so the very first step in a in a coronation was that the Praetorian guards were gathered and then after they were gathered, uh, the royal robes were placed on the emperor and they were given a wreath, a crown and a scepter. And then the third step, the, they would be led through a procession. And then the fourth step, a sacrifice would follow uh, along. In Nero's case, a bull would follow Nero. And the emperor would carry the instrument of the death of the bull. So or the animal that was chosen. Step five, Caesar was would be offered wine mixed with myrrh to show his strength and his preeminence, but he would refuse it um, to show that he needed nothing. He didn't need uh, their expensive wine. And then step six, a bull or an animal would be killed, and then Caesar would go around and he would pronounce death or life. Prisoners would be paraded in front of him and he would just randomly declare, you live, you die, you live, you die, um, showing that Caesar had the power over life or death. And then the seventh step was that the emperor would ascend the steps of the temple. With the, uh, on his right would be the high priest of the 24 legal religions in Rome and on his left would be the leading commanders on the other side. And then the eighth step would be that Caesar would acclaim, you know, people would acclaim that he was Lord and he was God and they would praise him and say, Hail Caesar. And then the ninth step would be they would wait for a sign from the heavens. So this coronation, like everybody everybody that that Mark was writing to would have known these steps and known how it worked. Is that right? Yeah, it's like, I don't know, you may not have seen it again, but the Princess Diaries, you know, she's about ready to be, you know, crowned, you know, Queen of Genovia or wherever it is. Mm. And she has all these, you know, specific parts of the ceremony that is undertaken um, before she can be coronated. So we're going to look at Mark 15. And as I go ahead and say the steps, <coughs> would you find the verse that Mark is um, mm -hmm. really highlighting. Oh, cool. Okay, so the first step of a Roman coronation was that the Praetorian guards would be gathered. So looking at verse 16, it says, And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. That seems like a big deal, a whole battalion. If I read in my notes, a tenth of a Roman legion, usually about 600 men. That's a lot of men. Mm. Uh then the second thing, the royal robes were placed on the emperor and they were given a wreath and a crown and a scepter. Yeah, straight after that. And they clothed him in a purple cloak and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him and they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. Okay, so what's, what's Mark doing? He's following the steps. He's following the steps of a coronation and he's following the same steps. So then number three, Caesar was led through the procession. So verse 20, and when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and then they led him to be crucified. 
Yeah, and then the fourth step, the um, sacrifice would follow them. In, in Nero's case, it was a bull. And then the emperor carried the instrument of death. So the thing that would kill the animal, the emperor would carry. So verse 21, And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander, and Rufus to carry his cross. Is that Mark's way of saying that? Because they brought the cross through first and Jesus probably was tagging behind. Is that Mark's way of saying that the sacrifice here was Jesus? Jesus was the sacrifice. So not only is he sacrificed, he's also coronated. Interesting. Anyway. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Okay, step five. Caesar was offered wine mixed with myrrh and he refuses it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, yeah, so... Uh, and they brought him to the place called Golgotha, verse 22, and they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Right on cue. Well done, Jesus. He knows his part. Well, and it's interesting because the other Gospels won't say that part. Yeah. No one mentions this wine mixed, with, wine mixed with myrrh. And Jesus here will say that, uh, Mark will say he refused it. And it's interesting that Mark would include that detail. Why? Because he is following these steps verse for verse. Mm. Interesting. All right, so verse 6, step 6, the bull or the animal were killed and Caesar would pronounce death or life over the prisoners. You live, you die, Mm -hmm. and declaring that Caesar has the power over life or death. Interesting. Like, oh, sorry, I'll do verse 24 first and then I had a thought. So verse 24, and they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide uh, what each should take. It's interesting that Caesar would go to other people and say, you live, you die, you live, you die. Jesus who has the power over life and death didn't look around and say you live you die he looked at himself and said I'm, I die it's just it's interesting the, the parallel there of a Caesar who can just have power over life and death and chooses it for other people right Jesus looked inward and said I'll take this one I'll be the one to die anyway yeah next step the emperor would ascend the steps of the temple with the right on the right the high priest of the religions and on the left the leading commanders on the other side so was that six or seven that was seven so and with him they crucified two robbers one on his right and one on his left yeah and so i mean mark is just step by step i mean literally like next verse he's going to tell you this is following and this is in their day they probably would have just seen this coronation they they've seen this all happen yeah and mark is saying hey you know it kind of happened just like this um the eighth step is that caesar would have would be acclaimed lord and god as the people praise him hail caesar okay and verse 29 and those who passed by derided him wagging their heads and saying aha you who could destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. And then um, the ninth um, thing that would happen is that they would wait for a sign of heaven. Now, many would say that in Nero's case, his astrologers and his people would have worked out, okay, there's going to be some, you know, in Nero's case, it was an eclipse. They probably would have looked at the stars and the moon and the alignment of things and worked out, hey, there'll be an eclipse on this night. Let's do his coronation here. And then this big sign will come and it will affirm him. What was the sign of Jesus? Uh, so verse 33, and when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. It's very interesting. Looking looking at this, it's at the very end of this paragraph, you have the centurion saying truly this was the son of God after the ninth step. Right. Which I find interesting. And why is that interesting that it's a centurion? Because 
I assume because so Nero's coronation was fifty ish years after Jesus's death, but I'm guessing that these coronation steps have been around for a while. I'm just could yep. be totes wrong here. Definitely um, have been around for quite a while. So maybe this centurion was able to see a couple of the steps and and know that that's how it works and he knew something was happening perhaps but why a centurion like interesting i mean we've been talking about jesus on the Mm. cross and then he will finish with and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last he said truly this man was the son of god yeah Yeah, and the story with the roman and the story with a Roman and a Roman in good standing, a Roman who is meant to know what he's talking about, a Roman with authority, and that authority would say, truly this is the Son of God. This Roman centurion was an eyewitness, and he would look and go, this was the Son of God. Uh, Very, very significant. I think it comes down to the fact that Mark was writing the gospel i mean it goes all the way back to our first initial introductions to the book of mark he's writing a gospel he's writing good news for the romans he's letting them know your king has come the son of god has come he's come to to seek and save the lost and you're included and he is gonna paint this picture for them yeah uh using their own imagery and he's gonna tell I mean, what appears like, I mean, I think we started the last podcast saying this is such a sad part of the story, but Mark will flip it and he's saying, actually, this is this is the greatest moment of triumph for Jesus. He wins the day. Mm-hmm. And we know uh, that it doesn't end there. We know that Jesus is buried and um, that a stone is put in front of the tomb and if you look uh, in verse 15, right at the end, it says, um, uh, uh, they rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb, and Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, saw where he was laid. And then uh, chapter 16, it says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone from us from the entrance to the tomb? And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back. It was very large, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed, and he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, but he is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter I think this is really interesting mm. tell the disciples oh and Peter you know the one who denied me three times make sure you tell him mm. tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee because if you go ahead and read John chapter 21 where does Peter go fishing right he goes back fishing tail between his legs story's over for him basically. story's over Jesus is is you know and Jesus will come to him and speak with him so fascinating they will, Peter will be brought back into the story of God um, in Galilee. So I just think interesting that these women will come uh, and be the first eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. And in that day, women were not, they couldn't testify in a court of law. They were not held as, as you know, 
that their kind of account would mean anything. And Jesus is going to value women, value their voice, value uh, what they're doing and what they can contribute. And he would send them as messages yeah. of his resurrection. One of the greatest, um, you know, points where it talks of when you want to advocate for men and women both serving in ministry would be this point that if Jesus wasn't going to allow women to serve in his church and to share the news of Jesus, if he wasn't going to do that, then he would have, they, a man would have been the first one there. Mm-hmm. But these women were commissioned to go and tell the disciples. Men will then go later. We'll know from the other accounts that the other men will go. And um, I think John and Peter race it out. Mm-hmm. to um, get to the tomb. But I think it's interesting The here. disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> the disciple whom Jesus loved. They have a good old race to the tomb to check out that Jesus is not there. But this is a story that Mark is saying, Jesus wins the day. And Jesus is king. That's, that's the main thing that I get out of those steps because what's clear to me in this, if... If this is Jesus' coronation, Jesus is, through this, through what he's done, Jesus is now the undisputed king. It's not Nero. It's not Scott Morrison. It's not Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin, whatever. Jesus is the undisputed king. He is his coronation. Yeah. So I hope that even as we've walked through the book of Mark, that you will have seen this story of God, seen the fact that this gospel will be written to these people at this time, as such a way of um, reminding us that we need to tell the gospel. We need to tell the good news of Jesus to our generation in a way that they can understand. And I think that's why, you know, we're meant to take the story of Jesus and put it in, in words that people will, you know, understand from things that, you know, they face in their life, just like Mark did. Yeah to the Romans at that time. So I hope that you guys have really learned a whole lot, learn about the story of Jesus. We have skimmed the surface. Yes. But as you have, you know, sat in your discussion groups, hopefully you will have unpacked it, but you will spend a lifetime unpacking these stories over and over, and the Holy Spirit will reveal something fresh and new. Hey, Jared, why don't you pray for us sure. in our very last podcast? Pray for those that are listening and yeah, let's end on that note. Uh, Heavenly Father, we uh, present ourselves before you and we thank you for what you've done, Lord. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made. And Lord, we thank you that, that you are king. You have been uh, crowned as king. Lord, I pray for anyone listening to this. Lord, will you use this uh, use this to draw people closer to yourself? Will you use this to change hearts, change lives, change minds? Will you use this to bring people to you? Lord, I pray uh, for those listening, may they draw closer to you, may they learn more, bring the right people around them um, to discuss this with, bring the right people around them to guide their faith journey. Lord Jesus, we need you, we love you, we trust you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you need uh, any more information or just maybe want to read some further, uh, you can contact us at Hope Point Church. You can find us, hopepointchurch.org.au, and, um, or you can look up, I think when you go to the transfer page, you'll find some links there, you can email us, 
and yeah, get in contact with us and we can point you to some other places of reading. Fantastic. We we don't know what we're going to do next. We so, don't. We'll so let you know tuned. for season two. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Signing off. Have a good one.